You're listening to the Health Call Radio Hour, where doctors, researchers, authors, nutritionists, and top health professionals share the latest news about staying well and living better. The information you hear today is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, but it's always timely, credible, interesting, and best of all, there's never a copay. Now, here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Hello again. Thanks for tuning in, making us part of your weekend. Hey, let's begin with an incident that rocked the sports world. The sudden collapse of Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin, it brought concerns about heart health right up to the top of the headlines. Now, you and I are never going to be playing in the NFL, right? But that doesn't mean we're safe from a cardiac crisis. 350,000 people simply fall over dead each year from something called sudden cardiac death. It is different from a heart attack. Most people never make it to the hospital. Now, why is that? Who is at risk and what are the warning signs? To get the answer, let's go to the University of Michigan and meet Dr. Jeffrey Barnes. He's a cardiologist and director of Vascular Medicine Fellowship at the Frankel Cardiovascular Center. Sudden cardiac death sounds like your heart just stops beating. So is that really what happens? You know, that's really, I think, a great description of what happens. And it really is a really serious condition where the heart essentially stops pumping blood. We know that the heart's main job is to pump blood to all of our organs, our brain, our gut. Uh, all of our um, you know, muscles and, and limbs. But when somebody experiences sudden cardiac death, essentially the heart stops pumping. And it's usually because the electrical system of the heart has gone haywire. It's not going through its normal steps. And so it's not giving the signal to the heart to go ahead and have that pumping action happen like it's supposed to uh, time and time again. Yeah, okay, so an electrical problem as opposed to a heart attack, which is a plumbing issue, right? Can you differentiate the two? Yeah, you're exactly right. A heart attack occurs when there's a blockage in the arteries that feed the heart. Those are called the coronary arteries. And this is an exceedingly common problem we have here in the United States and really uh, across the world. It tends to be a problem as we get older because we build up cholesterol in those small arteries. They get blocked and then you can't get enough blood flow. Now, rarely a heart attack, that blockage in the heart artery, can then lead to sudden cardiac death because without enough blood flow, the electrical system goes haywire and then the heart stops uh, pumping like it's supposed to. But that sudden cardiac death, that, that lack of the electrical system to tell the heart to pump, that can also be caused for other reasons that are not related to blockages in heart arteries. Oh, let's get into that. So what are those reasons? What might put me at risk? Well, there's a couple of them. Frankly, one of the most common reasons is in people who already have damage to their heart. Um, this would be something called heart failure. You've probably heard of folks who have congestive heart failure, where their heart squeeze is just not normal to begin with. They're at higher risk of having sudden cardiac death. And in fact, for some of them, we even will put in what's called an implantable cardiac defibrillator in order to shock the heart if it were to have that dangerous rhythm where it's not um, beating. Some people can have a genetic abnormality that sets them up. Other people can have other sort of more rare conditions. And then sometimes even a blood clot that travels up to the lung can cause so much sudden stress on the heart that it leads to sudden cardiac death. 
So there really are several potential causes of this. So what am I going to feel if I am at risk for this? I read that um, up to 60% of patients who undergo sudden cardiac death had been to the doctor within 60 days prior to the event itself. So something's going on. They've got some concern. What might that be? Well, you have to remember that there are many reasons patients will experience sudden cardiac death. And so the sort of the, the prodrome or the things leading up to it are really going to depend on maybe what's happening. So first off, when somebody actually experiences sudden cardiac death, when that heart stops its normal beating and starts to either quiver or just sit there and do nothing, very quickly you will get lightheaded, dizzy, and then pass out because there's no blood flow going to your brain. And so that's going to happen really over a matter of a couple seconds. But the question you ask, which is a really good one, is are there warning signs that are happening in the days to weeks beforehand? And all of that depends on what may have been the cause. So, for instance, if the cause of sudden cardiac death were a heart attack, maybe a severe heart attack that left part of the heart without enough blood flow, many patients may experience chest discomfort or pressure or pain, especially when they're exerting themselves in the, the days, weeks, or even months beforehand, and that would warrant an evaluation. If the cause of this were a worsening heart failure uh, symptom, those patients may feel more short of breath. They may have difficulty uh, laying down when they sleep. They may notice that their legs are swelling, sort of worsening of their typical heart failure symptoms. And of course, if the cause of this is a blood clot that travels up to the lung, those patients may notice that one of their legs is particularly um, swollen or painful, representing a blood clot in the lung that, or, I'm sorry, in the leg that could then break free and travel up. Again, other patients may have nothing that sort of sets this off. It's a genetic abnormality or something else that sort of caused this, and we're just not able to pick it up ahead of time. Yeah, that's the really scary part. So you're otherwise healthy. And this happened to an RN I knew. Um, she worked in my general uh, practitioner's office, and she just seemed to be healthy and suddenly collapsed in the office and died. And those are the things that are really so terrifying. That's a pretty rare circumstance, I'm guessing, huh? Yeah, you're right. That is really scary. And it's often the thing that um, maybe gets touted in the news, or certainly we talk about it because it's so unexpected. The good news is, is it's not very common at all. You're far more likely to have these uh, conditions like a heart attack or blockages in heart arteries. And of course, those are things that we are often building up to over many years. But in the situation where sudden cardiac death does happen, again, you mentioned it's only a, a couple hundred thousand people in the United States over the entire year. So that's a pretty small percentage. Really what we need to focus on is what should we do if it happens? And this is why it's so important for as many people to know how to perform CPR as possible and that we have access to those defibrillators or what are called automated external defibrillators. You, you hear the abbreviation mm -hmm. AED. Mm -hmm. It's important that we have access to them really in as many places as possible especially places where lots of people congregate. So I'm thinking about schools, I'm thinking about office parks, I'm thinking about sports arenas, anywhere where there are gonna be a lot of people together, it's important that we have access to an AED. So in that rare event that somebody does experience a sudden cardiac death, that we are ready to give them CPR right away and get that defibrillator on them, because that's really their best chance of survival. You know, one of the 
the positive outcomes of the Demar Hamlin situation may be that there's a huge spike in interest in CPR these days. So that's a that's a really great thing. Um, so if someone does just fall over in front of me, what's the first thing I need to check for? Am I looking for a carotid pulse? Really, the first thing you need to do is check to see if they're still awake and responsive. So, you know, going up to them, shaking them, hey, are, are, are you there? Did they maybe just fall over? Maybe they got a little dizzy and lightheaded and, and passed out, but they're with you. We don't want to start CPR on somebody who's awake. But after that, if you know how to check a pulse, that's great. If not, if they're not responsive, then the latest hands-only CPR techniques would say, go ahead and start CPR. But it's critical that somebody is calling 911 to get help. So even before you start that, ask somebody else who's in the room or pull out your cell phone and call 911 because you need to get that assistance coming as quickly as possible. That is especially important when your heart's electrical system fails and it stops beating because your chance of surviving a full cardiac arrest outside the hospital are frightening. Nine out of 10 people just don't make it. So, wow, yeah, Damar Hamlin, very lucky indeed. Lots of people wonder, is there a COVID connection? Does the virus put us all at long-term risk of cardiac event? Let's see what the cardiologist Jeff Barnes thinks about that thinks about COVID blood clots and risks to our heart. It's coming up next here on the Health Call Radio Hour on WoWo. You're listening to the Health Call Radio Hour, your regular weekend appointment with top healthcare professionals where every session is painless and we never keep you waiting. Now back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. And welcome back. If you are just tuning in, we're exploring something called sudden cardiac death. About 350,000 of us each year die when something interrupts the electrical rhythm of our heart and it simply stops beating. Now, millions of people live with heart rhythm disorders every day, so it may have you a little bit worried to hear about this other problem. Well, stick with us because in a moment, Cardiologist Dr. Jeffrey Barnes has some news I think you're going to want to hear. First, let's dig into how COVID is affecting our hearts. Lots of people are questioning whether the vaccine or the virus itself puts our heart at risk. Dr. Barnes says at least one of those concerns is valid. This is far and away the most studied vaccine in history, and we know that it's exceedingly safe. Now, getting COVID-19 as an infection, that's a different story. And we do know that when people get COVID-19, the infection, there can be some other risks that happen. One of them that we've talked about is a condition called myocarditis. That's an inflammation of the heart muscle. It's also very rare, but it's much more common in people who have COVID-19 infection than it is in people who've had the vaccine. And so we really want to prevent that from happening, avoid the COVID-19 infection, and we definitely want to avoid the more serious forms of COVID-19 by getting the vaccine. So really, this is going to be um, uh, an issue where getting vaccinated helps to prevent some of these complications that can happen. So we know, we know that COVID does have an impact on our circulatory system. The, the endothelial cells, the cells that line our veins, arteries, and heart 
are influenced by this damaged by the by the infection itself are we looking at a long tail of cardiac problems of blood clotting disorders of other things as a result of a covid infection you know, it's a really interesting question, and it's an area that's under active uh, investigation. And so I think we're going to continue to learn more over this coming year. Here's what we know right now in early 2023, that the risk of developing a blood clot and the risk of developing that myocarditis, the inflammation of the heart, that tends to be highest around the time that somebody gets a COVID-19 infection. So probably while they're infected and perhaps even for a couple weeks after. What we also know is that the risk of developing a blood clot and that myocarditis tends to be much higher in people who have severe infections. So what I tell folks is if you have COVID-19, you've got a bit of a runny nose, maybe you're feeling a bit fatigued, but you're able to stay at home because your oxygen levels are normal, you're breathing normal, then your risk of having a blood vessel or heart-related complication is very, very small. But if your COVID-19 infection gets more severe, let's say you have to be hospitalized, or even if you have to be admitted to an ICU because your oxygen levels are so low, those are the patients in whom we are much more concerned about them developing a blood clot or having other cardiac-related issues. And it's probably because in severe forms of COVID-19, there are much higher levels of inflammation in the body. The body's sort of reacting to this infection. The inflammation is going up. And we know that inflammation is one of the key drivers of developing blood clots in the body. Now, your question about how long does that last, we're still trying to figure that out. It seems like the risk of blood clots is fairly short. It's probably measured on the order of weeks to maybe a month or two after a COVID-19 infection. However, there is some ongoing research in patients who have what's called long COVID to try and understand whether or not they're at risk for blood clots. We don't really know the answer yet. There's been a number of folks who are who's sort of looking into it. It's not nearly as high a risk of blood clots as it is in those patients who have severe COVID who are admitted to the hospital or the ICU. That's really where most of the risk is concentrated. There is plenty of evidence now that the vaccines are not preventative against infection. We, we now know that what we thought early on is, is not necessarily the case. People who have the vaccine and the boosters are still getting infected. And as we go through a cycle of repeated infections, is there any evidence that the number of infections is going to increase my risk as opposed to severity? So if I have multiple relatively mild infections, does that put me at any elevated risk? Do we know? That's a, an area of research that's certainly ongoing. I know that there's some data out there to show any exposure to the COVID vaccine through uh, um, either an infection or a vaccine uh, could be helpful. Um, but that's an area where um, I think we're going to be learning more. And certainly from a, from a cardiac or thrombosis standpoint, I don't want to encourage anyone to get infected with COVID-19 because of all those risks. I would much rather people get the vaccine, which has essentially no cardiac risk with it, so then they get all the protective effects. One of your areas of research and your specialty is in that whole thrombosis, blood clotting issues. There is a lot of attention being paid right now to a documentary called, uh, I think it's called Died Suddenly. Um, and mm. it, it alleges that 
Embalmers across the country are discovering these unusual blood clots in some of their uh, clients, their patients. What, uh, what do you know about that? Does that make any sense? Can you find any science that would support that claim? Well, one thing that we know is that when you get the COVID infection, that that increases inflammation across the, the entire body. And that seems to be leading to not only the typical blood clots that we see, say, in the, the veins of the leg or in the larger blood vessels of the lungs, but we have seen some evidence that some of those smaller blood vessels in the lungs are developing clots as well. And so we think that there is a, a connection there between the COVID infection the increased levels of inflammation, and that turning on some of these smaller blood clots. I don't think there's a lot of um, scientific underpinning to try and link the vaccine with um, blood clotting. Certainly we know that the infection, COVID infection and severe forms of COVID infection are definitely linked to blood clots. And, and, and we'll learn more about the exact mechanistic steps, but that makes sense to me and is part of the reason why I'm so strongly advocating people try to avoid getting those severe infections by doing all those preventative health measures, right? Wearing a mask, not being around people who are sick and getting vaccinated to try and protect themselves and their loved ones. Uh, let's circle back to this uh, issue of heart arrhythmia for just a moment. Uh, AFib is so very common all across mm -hmm. the country. I want to, as we talked about heart rhythms and sudden cardiac death, does having AFib increase my risk of the, of the exposure to an SCD? Yeah, thanks for this question, because this is something that many people may get confused about. Atrial fibrillation is a problem with the top part of the heart where you're not getting a coordinated signal there. Sudden cardiac death is a problem with the bottom of the heart. So what are called the ventricles, the part that do the main um, pumping of the blood. There's really not a connection between having AFib and developing sudden cardiac death. We do a lot of work trying to manage the rhythm problems for patients who have atrial fibrillation. We have medicines that they take. We have procedures that are done. We put them on blood thinners to prevent a stroke. But really, there's not an increased risk of sudden cardiac death, as we talked about earlier. That's sort of a separate problem from atrial fibrillation. Again, that is cardiologist Dr. Jeffrey Barnes. 37% of sudden cardiac arrests happen in public places. So if you're a bit rusty on CPR, and I have to admit that I am, might be a good idea to get a refresher. Now, you heard him mention hands-only CPR. That's kind of new. Experts no longer recommend trying to breathe for the patient. That's because there's already enough oxygen in the blood and keeping blood flow going is more important than trying to add more oxygen. If someone's heart has stopped, taking time to breathe into their mouth is time away from blood flow to the brain. When performed perfectly, CPR delivers only about 30% of the normal blood flow. So just keep it going until help arrives and you change the odds. You may help prevent another sudden cardiac death. Well, there is more ahead here, and we hope you will stay tuned for it. It's the second half of the Health Call Radio Hour, coming up next, here on WoWo. Podcasts by Federated Media.